2: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the nation network of podcasts.
1: Welcome into episode seven of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I'm Tyler Uremchuk. He is Cameron Lewis. The Jays escape the trop with a pair of wins. Cam Lewis, let's dig right into this thing couple hours ago, we watched them walk away with a tight victory in what was a very tight series, but ultimately they came out on top two out of the three, so it's hard to complain. They did. So basically what you have out of this
0: now is the Jays have played three of their four AL East rivals, and they're four and two against the Yanks, one and one against Boston, two and one against Tampa. So seven and four against the American East, which is a fantastic start. Yep. And I mean, those... Three games this weekend against Tampa, probably 10 hours of real life baseball felt like 24 hours. Because mm-hmm. those were all like absolute grinds. Like just nail biting, anxious, like, oh God. But that's I what just this hate is the becoming.
1: drop as well. Like a game yes. that's three hours at Tropicana Field legitimately feels like four and a half hours. Oh, hundred percent, but it's, it basically, it's just like, we're, what, what we're seeing here is really just like this, this, this
0: intense rivalry between the Jays and the yeah. Rays coming in like last year. So they played each other. I think it would have been like 12 times and just about every single one of these games, save for a 12 four blue Jays win was decided by one or two runs. Mm-hmm. And then of course there was the playoff game where the Rays won game two handily, but like these games are insanely tight and they're, Damn, they're hard on you, but it's great to see them going into the tropical place where they've had a bad time for yeah. the better part of a decade and come out with two or three. That's what you like to see.
1: One nothing again in this one. Incredibly impressive when you when you consider all the factors that kind of went down in that ball game. And we'll get into a few of them, including the Ryu injury and three up, three down here. Um, but again, like the bullpen rock solid and Like a one nothing win is rarely ever flashy, but I thought that was, you know, about as as impressive as a one nil victory can get.
0: Yeah, it was the first time we've seen the Blue Jays win a game by a score of one nothing since May the 3rd, 2019, in which they beat the Texas Rangers in a 12 run game, one nothing, and only allowed four hits. And it was Trent Thornton throwing a seven, seven innings pitch with one hit. And then Meza, Biagini, Tapera, Daniel Hudson, Ken Giles slamming the door. And then you have to go all the way back to 2015 for the last time before that, the Jays had a one, nothing win. And it was another 12 inning game against the Rays. And the pitchers involved with that game were eight and two thirds from Marco Estrada, one out from Osuna. And then Bo Schultz, Brett Cecil and Steve Delabar. Combined. Steve Delabar, two-throw. Yeah. Steve Delabar. That's right. The gym <laughs> teacher,
1: the legend, oh, the weighted good.
0: balls, four hits again. Also interesting stuff.
1: So the first time the Jays have played a one nothing game that didn't take 12 innings in a long time is what, uh, is Twice what you're telling time. me.
0: I think the, uh, yeah,
1: probably, we're, uh, we're going to get a take on this series from a raised perspective in a few minutes. Matt Germain from raise the roof is going to join us on the pod, but first it's time for three up three down brought to you by Twig and berries. Check them out. Twig and berries.ca free shipping in Canada on orders over $75. And if you're like me, you like saving a little bit of money. You can do two things. You can head to their website. They're having a 20% off site-wide sale right now. You can also use the promo code nation 15 that gets you 15% off their website as well. They got a fantastic sale section out right now. Good stuff from our friends at twig and berries. Since the Jays won this series, we are going to start with the up. And I like this one. It's a guy who played a prominent role in the final game of the series It's one Ryan Barucki. He pitches one and two thirds. He only struck out one, but man, he looked just in control on that mound. And if he's a guy who can start to really handle some serious innings for the Jays this season and is, is maybe blossoming into a a high leverage impact reliever right in front of our eyes. That's exciting stuff right now. Barucki is a big up for this organization.
0: That is very exciting. Yes. He's a, he's somebody who I'd like to see have a bigger role in the bullpen. And this kind of goes back to last year. I think, A lot of people were kind of a bit disappointed. They didn't give him more goes as a starter, but um, see, I have in our notes here um, as up Ryan and then Andrew Miller, but to be fair, that wasn't me that came up with that. It was a Rob Wong of Sportsnet tweeted out a picture, the little meme with the glasses and this and that. And he looks like Andrew Miller, both lefties. They both have wicked stuff. And I think, like you see, see Baraki pitching more than an inning he's pitched, you know, have had some two inning outings this year and it would be nice to see him kind of become that bridge the gap guy, especially when you have starts maybe in, involving say like a Tommy Malone or a Trent Thornton or something. If Baraki comes in and pitches like this fifth, sixth or sixth, seventh, I think he can handle that kind of load because he looks ridiculously good. I think he had a strikeout. He, he had a strikeout today in which I think he was hit 98 on this fastball. That's crazy which is that's insane because I remember when he came up as a starter, he was a soft tosser. We were comparing him to Mark Burley.
1: Yeah. That's what I was going to say. The Mark Burley comparisons were out and he was a guy who was just going to have to kind of scrap his way to like five innings as a starter per game. And now you look at him like, it, it almost feels like, and I know the last year and whatever has been a bit of a whirlwind, but like, it almost feels like, snap your fingers, you blink. And it's like, holy shit. Now this guy has like completely changed who he is as a ball player. It's crazy. Um, Baraki, I almost called him Miller. Fuck Baraki gets our first up the second up Santiago Espinal. Uh, This guy, come on. Like the 34 at bats, 37 plate appearances. He's batting 382 this season. And he almost had a, had a huge hit for them Uh today. He almost knocked one down the line, but Margot managed to catch up to it. Espinal for what he's doing with the bat, what he's doing with the glove is a huge up. Yeah, this is a this is an important one
0: for the Jays because we're going to touch on this in the downs. Everyone knows we're going to talk about it. It's very obvious, but defense has been a challenge for the Blue Jays this year. And having Espinal in the game is a breath of fresh air because he he makes good plays. Like when the ball gets hit toward him, you expect he's going to make a play. Like he's not going to mess up, and he's you know he might you know, he might do something impressive. He might make a nice stab, make a really good throw, that kind of thing. And then you kind of think Espinel is probably going to be more of like a glove first guy, but he's actually hitting. Like I'd like to see more of him. I'd like to see him play nearly every day. Like I, I, I think his glove is necessary for this team right now, given how many mistakes they have and he's putting up good at bats. He, you know, he doesn't, he isn't really striking out. He gets the bat on the ball. Like he takes pitches. It's like, given the way the guys are hitting right now, I think you can find room for Santiago Espinal in your daily lineup.
1: His fielding percentage is 1,000 through 23 and two-thirds innings in the field. I agree. They probably need to find more room for this guy. Um, it's going to be interesting when this team gets healthy who's kind of sitting on a regular basis, but Espinal is doing absolutely his part to make sure he continues to get playing time. Our third up, Robbie Ray, and uh, you, explain, you explained in the notes, so I'll let you take it from here. Why is Robbie Ray in up? Yeah. So
0: Robbie Ray, you know, he came back. He's, this is now was third start since coming back from his injury, he fell down the stairs in spring training for some reason, kind of fell a little bit behind and now he's back. And in the first couple of games, there was a little bit of problem with command. I remember the one game against Kansas city. He was, we walked everyone and still managed to get through and not really like suffer any damage last outing. It was the same thing, not quite as many walks, but this time, um, Robbie Ray didn't walk a single guy against the Rays. He did allow the three-run home run, which is unfortunate, but this was the first start for him since August of 2019, where he's gone at least five innings without walking a guy. And that's what derailed him with the Diamondbacks, is he was walking everyone. So if Robbie Ray's throwing pitches in the zone, striking guys out and not walking guys, then that's a top-of-the-rotation starter for the Blue Jays. And that's, you know, with Matt and Ray going, like, that's that's... Those are the two question marks for the team, right? And basically how good the Blue Jays pitching is going to be comes down to those two wild cards and both wild cards have been good so far
1: ray and Mats go 11 innings combined against the rays they give up a combined six earned runs but i really really liked what what the jays got out of both those guys and y- you explained it perfectly the the walks being down or in this case non-existent for robbie ray is is such a huge positive uh ray mats and then ryu and that's where we're going to start with the down and ryu goes down in the final game of this series he looked good for five innings and uh, something he just tweaked. They're calling it what is it? A glute. That's his glute. ass. He's got a pain in the ass. The Rays are a pain in the ass. Yeah.
0: And Ryu has got a pain in his ass. Yeah. It's a glute injury, I think it is. But Gregor Chisholm, uh, Toronto, Toronto, or Toronto Star, sorry, reports that Ryu seems optimistic. He won't have to miss a start. He says the soreness was different than what he experienced in 14 back when he was with the Dodgers when he had a similar issue. And that they're pretty optimistic. He won't miss a start back in 2014, which Gregor is referencing here where you had the same injury and he went on the 15 day DL and they activated him. The Dodgers did immediately after the 15 days are up. So even if he does end up going on the 10 day, he probably only missed one start. It's not the end of the world. Like we don't have to worry. You know, when he first came out of the game and we're spooked out, like, Oh my God, like, is this like a big problem?
1: Is he done for the year? Like shit. But You always get nervous when that shit happens, right? Always. Um, but the days off are going to benefit them in this scenario as well. Right? Like I know you were mentioning it might be Matt. Matt's might go the second game against the nationals here, but like, if you wanted to throw one more guy in there and, and bumper you even back a day, it's going to be pretty easy to let him take a week to really recover from this thing. Right? Like yeah. there's no sense, especially with how important he is. There is no sense risking him for like a start no. against the Braves in early May. Like if you need to give him some time to rest, I agree with you. It's it's definitely not the end of the world. Uh, the second down, you touched on it when we were talking about Espinal, but that defense on the left side, it's uh, it's quickly becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger story. The worse, worse and worse they play.
0: Yeah, I think it was in the first game, uh, Bo and Joe Panic. Panic was in third mm-hmm. combined to have three errors. And there was one play that probably also should have been an error on Joe Panic. So it probably should have been four. And there's some throws coming from uh, that side of the infield that Vlad is grabbing at first base. That's putting him in danger of getting his wrist broken on the first base line.
1: That like, one in the first game of the series was really bad. Like there was a stretch there where like Bo just for, could not throw to first base. Like yeah. it was almost like this weird case of the yips that lasted like 15 minutes for him where the ball was hit to him. And you were like already wincing as he's winding up, like, Oh God, where is he going to put this thing? Um, It's a major problem. I'm, I'm still not sure 100% what the solution is. Maybe it's finding a way to get espinol in there a little bit more. Maybe I like winning...
0: Espinal third a lot.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I don't mind that either. Would you play it short?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, on certain days, like, you know, a lot of people are calling for semi and shortstop espinol third base or vice versa. And then just bite the bullet and put Bo at second. But I've also seen some counter arguments that are like, look, man, like Bo's you know, only, I think he's only played slightly over a hundred games in his career now. Like it takes time. Like he's one of your franchise guys. Like, do you really want to piss him off and not let him play the position he thinks he can play? Like, maybe we have to accept that as much as we want this year to be a full on competitive year for the blue Jays, that there are still some growing pains. And one of those growing pains is just allowing Bo to hack it at short. And if it doesn't work, then it's dealt with in the offseason.
1: Yeah. And, and BK makes a great point about that as well. He talked about it when he was on the pod a couple episodes ago, but for hit, like you need him to work because if he's not going to be a long-term shortstop for you, that creates a whole wrinkle of problems throughout your system. You know where is Groshans going to play? Where is um, Austin Martin going to play all that stuff? So I, I do think they need to be a little bit more patient here, or I guess maybe it, what I'm saying is a lot more patient and just like you said, ride it out here. Cause yeah, I think everyone's itching. They want this to be a world series year, but this is a team that's very early in their quote unquote competitive yeah. window and giving guys like Bichette time to breathe and develop a shortstop is, is not the worst thing in the world, which like I, I hesitate saying that cause it is costing them games to, to some extent, but it's just one of those things you almost just need to accept as a team that's still just entering their prime. Uh, the third one you have here, and I'll let you take this one as well. Jordan Romano returns from the IL, didn't look great. and reason for that is because he wasn't throwing as hard as he usually is.
0: Yeah, so that's the the worrying thing Romano comes off the injured list. So the last game he played um, back in uh, back a few weeks ago before he got injured was against the Yankees and he was hitting ninety eight ninety seven point nine, ninety seven ninety seven. So he was hitting right up there. And we've seen him hit like ninety nine before. I don't think we've seen Romano hit a hundred. But then in this game against the Rays, he was the highest velocity he threw was 94.9. And he was sitting around 94, 93 with his fastball, which is a little worrying. I'd say maybe it's just a consequence of, you know, him having a little while off, you know, a couple weeks off, week, week and a half off or whatever it was. And he just needs to ramp himself up. But this is something to keep an eye on the next time he has an outing because, Right now, given the way the bullpen's going, Romano has, I mean, I don't mean this as like a criticism, just it's mo- mostly because of how good everybody else has been, but Romano kind of looks like the weak, weak spot in the in the bullpen right now, which is kind of shocking to say.
1: Yeah. It's really odd to say, especially what we thought the Feels bullpen weird. was going to look like coming into the year. Um One other one, I'm going to throw in a bonus down here. Bo and Vlad, they come into this series and we're like, man, these guys are hitting the cover off the ball. We're talking about how Vlad is taking that big next step forward, all this stuff. And the two of them go a combined one for 25 against the Rays. Any cause for concern or is this just a random three game blip on the radar?
0: Yeah, it's just, it's just small picture stuff. Like it's just a random three games. The Rays are the Rays pitch well, right? Like, There's a lot of good arms out there, and that's what the Rays do. I mean, you haven't really seen it that much this year because the Rays have had a whole bunch of injuries. They're not at their best right now, but there's a lot of good pitchers on that roster. And, you know, the Rays and the Jays, they're pretty similar. They know how to get the most out of their pitchers. So it is what it is. Like, I I wouldn't be too concerned about it. They had such a prolonged hot streak that whatever that happens.
1: That is three up, three down or three up, four down in this case, brought to you by (laughs) twig and berries.ca. They have their 20% off site-wide moving sale. Use the promo code moving 20 at the checkout twig and berries.ca quality clothing for the everyday caveman, Mr. Cam Lewis. Um, actually, yeah, I I quickly want to do one more here. Um, I know we're another down. You're so negative. No, no, no. I I want to do an up. And that's Randall Grychuk again, like a big hit in game one of the series. he, Continuing to impress, man. Like, that's that situation with Springer's return on the horizon. That's going to be fascinating to see how they handle things. I know we've talked yeah. about it a few times now, but that still eats up like a lot of what I'm thinking about during these games is like, man, how are they going to make this work? Yeah. I mean, Randall
0: certainly played his way into continuing yeah. to be an everyday player, even when Springer and Teoscar are healthy. Like, Greenchuck's been one of their better guys this year, and there's yeah. just no reason not to have him in the outfield, especially right now. Like, even if he's hitting ho-hum and he's putting up his standard Randall Grechuk 750 OPS and striking out a bunch, like his defense, great. Yeah. I think his defense is better than Teoscar and Gurriel's, and his defense might be better than George Springer's. <laughs> like we haven't seen Springer play yet. We haven't yeah. seen how he performs after his injury. We don't know. Like Grichuk could be their best
1: defensive outfielder. I right. laughed because we talked last episode about Guriel and how he, you know this or the gold glove thing and all that. And then he gunned down that guy in the first uh, in the first game of the series, and I was like, there you go, That's exactly what you said. Like opposing managers watch him like yep. every couple of series, gun down someone with a sweet throw. It's played 500 times on Sportsnet or whatever in the highlights. And it's like, oh damn, this guy's a hell of a fielder, but like he's yeah. actually just kind of like an average glove with a strong yeah. arm.
0: More of a gold arm, right? Like yeah. No, not so much which, of a gold glove. You get a gold arm.
1: Which for should sure for probably should be an pitch, award. honestly. Give him a chance to pitch. is usually fun. the guy, the position yeah. player who will pitch, right? But yeah, why it was Espinal
0: and Luke Maley would pitch a bunch for them? Kendry's Morales pitched for them one time too. I that was that.
1: weird. I think that was like against like the royals of the Tigers. They were up yep. by a lot or some shit. I don't they know. They were either up um, or down by a you know, crazy like it and then it was is. In the playoffs, there was Cliff Pennington. That was a big one. All right. We got a, we got a guest joining us. So we are going to uh we're gonna we're gonna jump along here. Let's dig into this raise series a little bit more. Matt Germain from Raise the Roof in the Tank podcast. You can find him on Twitter at m Matt underscore Germain underscore. I think is there a second underscore in there? Did I just totally yeah, make that up is. on the one There is all right. I nailed that uh, Matt how did you uh, how did you enjoy the series here? Was it three really tight ball games? Like for an AL East an all AL East series, like that's kind of all you can ask for from an entertainment perspective. For
2: sure, I think there's some good pitching on both sides, some lackluster hitting on both sides, yeah. to, you know, overall. And uh, for a short series, it was like a feeling out series, is what it felt like more than anything.
1: What did you feel from a bat from a hitting perspective? What did you feel the Rays weren't able to do against the Jays in this series?
2: Um, normally the Rays, well, I say normally in 2020, the Rays showed an ability to produce a lot more runs with two outs. And I feel like nowadays we're not seeing that as much. They did for a little while and then they kind of went away again. And it's something that they have to get better at doing again because their lineup just isn't uh, elite enough to get away with not doing that. Um, and, and then they end up being dependent more on home runs and, and that hurts them long run.
0: So one question I had kind of, um, was so the Blue Jays and the Rays they played each other a whole bunch of times last year. Obviously, you saw them in the playoffs. What would you say looks different about the Blue Jays from a Rays perspective
2: than what you saw last year? Uh, for sure, the the pitching depth is is better. Uh, there's still holes that that exist on, defensively, <laughs> and, and those are still need to be addressed if you, if you guys are going to be serious about making a long run in the playoffs. Um, but the the pen for sure looks like a strength. And it was it's the same way we anticipated the Rays being, but they have their entire pen basically on IL. So what you're seeing right now is is the Rays' second edition of the pen, uh, which yeah. is pretty impressive when you think about it. But yeah. for you guys, the pen looks elite. And I think your, your lineup looks deeper. I, I know Semyon's been doing a good job for you guys. It didn't really show up much in the, in the series, a little bit, but um, – I think once Springer gets there, you're really going to see that lineup step up so mm-hmm. uh, i'm I'm impressed with this I didn't know much about him, and I saw defensively what he can do and, and his his mojo is something I think you guys need a little bit of, yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's been that's really been the one thing for the
0: Jays. And that's what I think a lot of us kind of see is the key difference between the Blue Jays and Rays is there's they're obviously very similar teams just because, you know, like the, the Blue Jays front office, like hiring Charlie Montoyo, they do a lot of Rays ball and we're used to that now. But I think the place where the Rays very clearly have the edge is fielding, like the Rays never mess up in the field and the Jays do tremendously. But another thing I wanted to talk about is, so you hit on pitching and the, the Rays. I think the last time I checked had 11 pitchers from the 40 man on the injured list. I think it was 11, 10.
2: Yeah. And, it's close to there. And yeah, some so of them long-term. So it depends. It's just, it's a good thing. They have a really strong system. And, yeah. and I think you're just starting now with Patino, Fleming, and, uh, and Lewis head, you're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, there's more coming behind them. That's even more impressive, which is surprising.
0: Right. And that's what I was going to ask was so over the off season, they trade Blake Snell, to the Padres, that was kind of surprising. And then Charlie Morton mm-hmm. walks in free agency. Are there any one, one thing the Rays always seem to do is there's always, there's always just like the, the next guy coming, right? Like they trade their ace mm-hmm. away. way it was, you know, James Shields get traded away. Chris Archer gets traded away. Blake Snell gets traded away. Like who are the, who are the new arms that you think are going to become like, to ace top level guys for the Rays now?
2: By the playoffs, I think Shane McClanahan and Luis Patino will be two of those starters that are able to go at least five strong, maybe even a bit more, depending on how many innings they have left by that point. There's an outside chance you might see Shane Baz, but I think they'll keep him for next year before they bring him up. And then there's also uh, guys like uh, Joe Ryan, who has an elite fastball, and they're still pushing him as a starter, but he could go either way. He could be brought in as a high leverage reliever, like they did with uh, Shane McClanahan in the playoffs in 2020. But those are the three. There's also outside the lines, guys. Like last year, nobody saw Josh Fleming coming. I uh-huh. I was speaking highly of him beforehand. And this year, there could be somebody like Michael Plassmeyer, for example, that could also be used at some point if they really continue down the road of injuries and, and it brings them there, right? So they they have a plethora of guys. And I think that's the the important thing is – Patino and McClanahan together are going to eat up, I would say, a really close amount of innings as to what Charlie Morton and Blake Snell would have by the time we get to the midseason. That's just the way that it's
0: going to roll. Yeah. And that's the one thing that's different about the Rays than most other teams. I remember you kind of look at um, like preseason projections and they have the Rays winning like 84 games. But the mm-hmm. one thing those projections never take into account is no team in baseball is better at dealing with injuries than in the Rays because nobody has the organizational depth they do. And then that also brings me to one other thing is so number one prospect in baseball, Wander Franco is, are we going to see him this year? Cause he was on the taxi squad in the world series last year. And I remember people were excited. They were like, is Franco going to get into a game against the Dodgers?
2: If, if Franco doesn't get called up within the next month, I will drive down and shake Eric Neander's <laughs> neck and say, what are you doing? And we're watching Willie Adamas with at balls right in the middle of the zone. And, and I mean, I love Willie Adamas. He's an excellent player defensively. He's, he's one of the best in the league. He, he could have a role even as a bench player or, um, you know, in and out depending on the matchups. But Wander Franco is—he could walk onto the Rays right now and be one of the top two or three contact hitters on the team. So it's just a matter of giving him a taste of Double AA, A, Triple A to to get his feet under him, get get some confidence, and then I think he'll be up. I think. What's the What's the highest level he's played at now? Because he didn't play last year, which is the alternate site. Well, it depends on if you count the winter leagues as any kind of level, but yeah, spring training would be the highest level yeah. that he's played. Yeah. And then high A, he just dominated as an 18 mm-hmm. year old. So,
0: so you guys uh, think it's one he's, of those, you guys think he's ready to step in and become like one of the better guys in the team. Yeah.
2: Right, I think it's at first what you're going to see is a lot of singles, home run, uh, doubles, and and some home runs sporadically, and then eventually he'll grow into that power because he is a more husky guy than people, you know, are aware. I think he comes across as a little bit short and and stocky, but like Matt Stairs used to have, he's got some oomph in that bat. Once he gets it swinging, it's like a a giant club that's fun to watch. So
0: that's a great reference yeah. for, uh, love for a good a Canadian reference. Yeah, exactly. That was, really <laughs> that was well done. Well, well, good pull. Good pull.
1: Uh, Looking at the ALE standings here, you got the Yankees and Orioles tied at the bottom, the Jays in the middle, the Rays at 11 and 11, the Red Sox up at the top. Are you like, I mean, obviously the major surprise is the Yankees being in the basement, but from a Rays perspective, has anything changed in your opinion through the first month here? Are you still expecting them to kind of be, you know, up near the top competing with those best teams? I had the the Rays winning the division from the beginning and it was because I know their system extremely well. I'm
2: so confident in those guys helping out what they already have. And I'm also confident in Eric Neander and I'm making one or two key moves that are going to push them over at some point as well. I still think that the offense out of center field is an issue they have to come over. But I'm not surprised at all that the Yankees are having problems. I had them third. I had you guys second in the, in the division. Uh, I was one of the few that's really down on their, their defensive yep. abilities, their lack of oomph. Brett Gardner was a great guy to bring back, but they just don't have that persona that says that they're they're playing for you know for keeps so maybe they'll have another closed door meeting like they do every year and then they'll come out and and you know i i just i don't have much faith so i think what you are what you're going to see now from this point onwards is where i think you're going to see the race kick it up a notch and that's why i was a little bit frustrated with this series but they've won six out of nine before uh, overall uh, in their last little bit so i think they're they're on their way up I don't know how the this little stretch they have now. They're going to face the A's, the Astros, and the Angels through yeah. the next 12 games, I think. So it's going to be a little bit weird. No AL East. Um, yeah. But what, what it'll be telling is June 4th, the Rays will have played the Yankees 13 times. So by that point, you're going to have a really good barometer of where they stand in the division. And the Rays own them so much that they could relegate the Yankees to basically yeah. becoming sellers by that point. So we'll see. That'd be it. great. We'd all love that. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> you, awesome.
1: You uh, you mentioned potential additions that they could make here before, uh, before the deadline. I know it's really early in the year to be talking deadline, but are there some names out there? Are there some potential fits that you think maybe they should be going after?
2: I have one that I really want them to key in on, and that's Catel Marte. And I know he's injured right now, but in my opinion, they have the pieces to go and get him. They need to solidify that center field. And it doesn't mean they have to trade... Uh, Kevin Kiermaier because Ketel Marte can play one of the corners and, and be fine he plays second base and be fine he's a guy that can move around but they, they have to solidify their lineup to the point where they're not swing and miss as much and I think adding him and Wander Franco to that lineup would make it a really tough lineup to, to navigate um, and, and then they can build around that with their pitching being strong enough to make them through the series
1: So would it kind of be fair to say, like you mentioned the young guys who presumably are only going to take more steps forward, you know, potential pieces you can move in a trade. Is this a team that's probably built to be more dominant in the second half of the season and just kind of like a snowball down a hill, just keep building and rolling? Exactly.
2: And they're, the front office is really, really focused on 2022 being like an elite season. You're looking at 100 plus games winning, um, but they, this is what they're calling a transition year. But Rays transition is basically continue <laughs> fighting through. There, there's no tanking in a Rays and you have to appreciate that. That's kind of a, yeah. a great trait to have for a small franchise like they are.
1: It's yeah. kind of weird because they get that rap as the team, you know, always trading away their good players and things like that. But it is stunning to have that reputation of like, Oh, they they never bring back the big guys. They're always moving stars, but also they're never not competing. It's such from an outside perspective. It's such a weird sort of it's such it's a weird sort of dichotomy awesome. between the two. Yeah. They're, they're an interesting Ooh. team to follow. Like they always, whenever they trade
0: somebody and whenever they make a trade, you, you, you just kind of know they're going to win the trade. Like the Chris yeah.
2: Archer one was the huge one. Like that was nuts. And then- well, I would I would argue that they they fleece the Padres more. Uh, I I love Francisco Mejia. He's been one of the top twelve catching uh, catchers in terms of hitting. His blocking skills have really improved. His arm is a rocket. He's a switch hitter, which you don't see very often with a, with a catcher. And if you have him, and then you saw Patino today, to me he's he's one of the more, probably the most electric arm they've had since David Price. And that's saying a lot for a franchise that has a lot of pitching, yeah. but because he's a strike thrower, he's not afraid to be in the zone and he's got nasty stuff. If they improve that change up enough, I think he's going to be elite. So then you add Blake Hunt, who's going to be a top hundred prospect probably by midseason, And then Cole Wilcox, who was a one, a first round talent. I mean, that's a lot, <laughs> that's a lot to, you know, two guys that could be your franchise catchers plus two arms. I mean, and Blake Snow, I'm sorry. I, I, I might not be, uh, the one that's most down on him, but I also know what he is, and he's not anywhere near an ace, and that's the price that they paid in that trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think long-term, you're going to see more value overall out of that deal than you did the Chris Archer deal, which is saying a lot. Well, that's terrifying as a Blue Jays fan
0: because yeah. that's yeah. the <laughs> last thing we need to see is the Rays going and finding more insanely good pitchers and guys who, I don't know, put up like a 500 on-base on- percentage. Ah, oh, it's frustrating, but here we are. I think this is a, the budding of quite a guys are in a rivalry. good place. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah, in a good I
2: mean, place. And I, I want to talk about that a little bit first, if I can. Yeah. Vladdy Guerrero had that stare down with Josh Fleming when he was he was pacing after that he got that strike called on him. And it was the first time I think I've I've noticed in the last two years where there was like that Jays Rays rivalry. Like the Jays had a point to prove in this series that they belong. And they were kind of taking it as a barometer. So I think I noticed that out of Vladdy, especially. But, well, yeah, because especially
0: like last year, like the, the every single Jays and Rays game was extremely tight until they got into the playoffs. Like yeah. there was game one. It was really tight. Yeah. AJ yeah. Cole allowed that home run. And then game two was just a spanking. And I think the Jays were really, really, really upset with themselves that they went into the trop and got swept.
2: Right. And, and I think that you saw the Rays like the year before go through that same kind of thing. After they got through the the, the wildcard game with the A's, they actually went into the next series and kind of, got, I don't want to say got blown out, but they had struggles that were probably experience-based, the, the intensity of the moment. So the Jays will just benefit from that this year. I think it'll help mm-hmm. them.
1: I would have no complaints if the next five or six years are the Rays and Jays at the top and the Red Sox and Yankees sitting closer to uh-huh. the bottom. I think both I think both fan bases would gladly yeah. take that. It's a more
2: pleasant camaraderie kind of thing. than. (laughs) I mean, I talk a lot with Yankees, uh, podcasters and stuff, and they're nice people and everything, but their fan base. Holy moly. There's (laughs) a great point. (laughs) Yeah. No, we, we we know all about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt really appreciate your time today, man. This was fun. We'll do it again later in the year. That was great. For Sure.
2: No problem at all. Thanks Thanks for coming on.
1: There you go. That is Matt Germain. You can find him on Twitter at matt with one t underscore Germain with another underscore at the end. That confused the hell out of me at the start of the interview. Um, uh, raised the roof and in the tank podcast. That was a fun chat. It'd be cool if these two teams can sort of develop kind of a little bit of a rivalry over over the next couple of seasons here. Like that'd be yeah, good. I think.
0: I, I know as much as we shit on the Rays and we all talk like our oh, fucking Rays ball like the trop like they really are like a fascinating team. Like they're, they're very interesting. Like the way they go about doing things, the way they kind of revolutionize the way the pitchers exist specifically. Like, you know, they're the team that's like leading the charge with this whole opener thing. And, you know, a guy comes in for one inning or two innings and then the guy for three innings and this and that, and it's just, it's interesting. Like the whole only go through the rotation once. And then, you know, their system is so good and they just always have these guys. Yeah. I mean, the blue Jays basically are trying to become the big budget raise. So, yeah, there's one team to pay attention to. It's Tampa because it kind of gives you an idea of what Shapiro and Atkins and Charlie Montoya are getting up to.
1: Speaking of rivalries, we usually don't stray too far away from the American league East on this podcast, but the Tatis Bauer shit is <laughs> fucking, that is, that is some a plus content yeah. that's coming out of that.
0: Tatis tweeted out a picture of him holding a baby and Trevor Bauer's face is Photoshopping the baby. <laughs>
1: which is hilarious. So that'll be a good game tonight to watch Sunday night. I, uh, yeah, it'll be a good game. And Trevor Bauer comes out and kind of, he gave the celebrations that Tatis was doing like a thumbs up and was kind of like, Oh yeah. Like I get it. It's good for the game. He was seemingly a good sport about it, which is weird. Cause Trevor Bauer is usually a little bitch. Um, <laughs> and someone tweeted, I wish I give credit here, but they were like, don't give Trevor Bauer credit for saying for like the way he's handling things now because of like all the dumpster worth of shit. He usually spews. Um, they were like yep. basically so many words come out of his mouth. At some point, a solid positive like string is going to come together. Anyways, getting off on a tangent. Uh, the Jays have a day off Monday and then it's two against the Washington Nationals. They're going to get Max Scherzer. They are the Jays are not going to be responding with their ace. Obviously, right. You went today and he, he's nicked something. So what are you expecting? here coming up in this series between the Jays and Nats.
0: Uh, the Nats have been not good since they won the World Series. It's all kind of like, yeah. predictably kind of falling apart for them. Uh, they're eight and 10 as we record this right now. Um, 22nd in
1: team OPS and dead last yeah. in home runs.
0: Terrible offense. The only thing they really have going for them is Juan Soto, and he's on the ten-day injured list right now. I'm not sure what the what the outlook is there for him. But if you're not playing against against the Jays, he's not going to be playing. No, no, because he was just put on recently, so that makes sense. If you're going up against the Nats and Juan Soto is not playing, then this is a very hopeless lineup. But reality is is that Max Scherzer is starting in Game One. Max Scherzer is very good. He can, you know, obviously steal a game. And then in Game Two, you have someone by the name of Eric. Betty who last year struck out five guys per nine innings and walked 3.9 guys per nine innings. So that's really bad. That's, some, that's like T.J. like level stuff. So, I mean, you're going up against the Scherzer hard to expect a win when you're facing Max Scherzer. So it's like, I'd probably expect
1: a split in this series, get the split. And um, well, get the split and get the hell out of there. Is that kind of uh, the mindset or I guess it's in Dunedin. So get the split and then move on to Atlanta. But yeah. I agree with you. Uh, the split is sort of what I'm expecting here. Carbon copy of what happened against the Red Sox. Wouldn't be the least bit stunned if they lose game one and hopefully they rebound against Abe. Like unless, you said, bad Well. Oh?
0: Unless, unless George Springer gets activated on Tuesday, in which case they have to ride that momentum into a two game sweep. Otherwise that would be
1: disappointing. I wonder if we're going to see him like, well, we're hearing like, Do you don't moment- know if he's a real guy might just well, be pretend. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, we're hearing like, you know, momentum's building for him to join the big club here. Um, I'm actually seeing right now as we're recording this, Charlie Montoya hey says he's optimistic blue Jays. will have George Springer back for Tuesday against the Nats and uh Tay Oscar. Is yeah. playing at the alternate site today. His time frame's a little bit more up and more. Air, behind, so. Yeah. so Montoyo's optimistic Springer can play on Tuesday, but still it's not definitive. I wanted it to be like he is yeah. making his debut Tuesday, but it really sounds like they are uh, they are not going to give that firm of a date on it. So we'll see. We will see. I just I want to see it so bad. It feels like it doesn't yeah. even didn't even happen, right? It feels I like know. he's just fuck. And we're talking about this team, we're dissecting how they're hitting and all this stuff, but it's like they're missing their best bat potentially, you know, Yeah,
0: it'll be a game changer. I think when he comes back, it'll totally inject a new life into the team and the lineup. I think it's gonna be a huge game changer. So I, I really hope it happens soon, but I, I understand why they're taking their time. They don't want to rush it. I mean, $150 million man, like, <laughs> yeah, you don't want him. like, you know, it's a fucking random game against the Nats in April. It does not mean anything. Like you don't want him to come back and re-aggravate himself. And he's out until June.
1: You know what happened on this day four years ago today? I'm seeing this as I open up Twitter okay, hold to, to Let get them on so
0: 2017? Yeah. Uh, where would they have been?
1: They were Who in St. Be- Louis.
0: Oh, was it the Coglin flip? Yeah, oh, it was, it was the, the flip. Yeah, that's it. It was right, the Coglin right, right, right. flip.
1: I saw a video of yeah, it. I thought yeah. mentioned I'd bring <laughs> that up. The
0: 2017 I- team was fucking dog shit, but they had some <laughs> fun moments. Like Marcus Stroman hits a dinger. And I think in the same game, they had that guy, Daryl Ceciliani, hit a dinger and broke his arm what do you remember that no. there was that random random guy Ceciliani. it's just crushed as a dinger and then they zoomed in on the replay and he's just like wincing holding his arm like in tears as he's going around the bases and it turns out he's like broken his arm or like snapped something it was <laughs>
1: fucked he had five plate appearances that season one home run one double has um, he played since Oh, fuck. I don't think so. I don't that, know. If, no, like he hasn't. He has not played since. That's a
0: hell of a way to go out. I hit a dinger, injured myself, hitting a dinger, and then it was game over for me. That's insane.
1: I'm looking at this guy, and now I remember who he was. Hearing the name, I was like, I that I don't think that was a real person, but I yeah. saw the picture there.
0: And these were yeah. dark times, so a lot of people checked out of the Blue Jays between 2017, 18, and 19, but I did not.
1: Oh, yeah. if, you, if you want to have a good time, just go read off some of the names that had like four plate appearances that season. It's that was an ugly, ugly roster for oh, the some Jays. of the pitchers too. Uh, Where are some of the pitchers here? Oh, Tim Miza got into a game that year.
0: Yeah. Tim Isn't Miza it? might be the longest tenured blue Jay right now.
1: Yeah. He actually, he would be, because it was Alfred before that. Yeah. Alfred was on the 2017 team as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking through the roster right now and none of these guys are still kicking around. So you'd be right. Tim Miza is the longest serving Toronto Blue Jay. That's
0: pretty that's, funny. It makes his debut in 2017. Longest. They've really flipped the whole thing around pretty quick.
1: Huh? Yeah, it, it is. And that's probably, you know, a conversation for like a buy or like all-star break or something like that to talk about, like how this all happened so fast. But uh, anyways, they took two or three from the Rays. We are getting way off topic here. Uh, they're going to move on now. A couple of games coming up against the Nats and then another day off and then a weekend set against the Braves. So that's the upcoming week. But uh, Alex Anthopoulos' we, is Braves. Yes, we will get to see Alex Anthopoulos' Braves. Uh, but we'll be back Thursday morning, I'd say, is when we should be expecting the next pod to drop, recapping every Blue Jay series throughout the year on Blue Jays Nation Radio. Mr. Cam Lewis, you enjoy your week. You enjoy those games against the Nationals. Okay. Thanks for having me our podcast i mean anyways and thanks to matt germain who joined this podcast because he is a guest i uh, enjoy the week jays fans we'll talk again on thursday cheers best wishes
0: thanks for tuning in to blue jays nation radio don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your
1: podcasts from to never miss an episode imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time